Monday Morning Heat Check. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm John Gonzalez. Let's talk basketball. I love to talk basketball. Let's start with the team we tend to ignore. Frequently and get yelled at about it. Yeah, thanks, Dream Shake. Rockets fans. The Houston Rockets. They are now 11-3. and They're half a game up on Golden State, and mm-hmm. they beat the Pacers, who are actually good. Yeah, the Pacers are uh, pretty good. They didn't play well against the Rockets. The Rockets continue to play well. They're 11-3 and now, and... It uh, turns out James Harden is really good. James Harden, good at basketball. Good at basketball, continues to be good at basketball. He's pretty high up on the MVP rankings on NBA.com. Uh, they actually have Harden first. When I say pretty high, he's at the top. He's number one. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty high. Do you enjoy watching James Harden? I do. You do? I have a sickness for guys who can get to the foul line. Mm-hmm. Like the, that is the, really a sickness. It's a weird, weird thing. Like Watching guys shoot free throws and make free throws is not an exciting proposition. Uh-huh. I like the art of like drawing fouls, uh-huh. and he's a master at it. In addition to being just really good at you know passing the ball and making the right play offensively, not defensively. Defensively, he's still you know sometimes James Harden and doesn't move his feet, but he's an amazing three point shooter. All of the things that I like about the NBA game in terms of ball movement and stuff, he has. But that Euro step and him being able to draw fouls, it's. It's an art form. I, I, I love it. I mean, it is certainly a skill. I mean, to be a top <laughs> player, you have to be able to drop fouls. It's, easy it's not to as score. exciting for you? I wouldn't call it an art form. All right. <laughs> He's so exciting for like the last two minutes of every quarter, but mm-hmm. like the first 10, I'm just not that interested, which is part of my problem with the Rockets. And that's like the case against James Harden. He's amazing, yes, but he requires you to be like a glutton for punishment, basically. Yeah, no, that's me. I do like watching some of his teammates, though. Like, an ex- I, I, it's exciting to watch Clint Capella get better. Clint Capella. Clint Capella from last year, we saw some flashes. All of a sudden this year, I mean, he's really having an amazing season. And to watch him work that two man game with James Harden has been. Uh, a revelation, yeah, really. Yeah, it's cool. And that's, yeah. like, that's like the kind of player James Harden needs for me to be more interested. Mm-hmm. Also, Eric Gordon is excellent. Killing it. So the big like elephant not in the room is Chris Paul because he's not playing. Yes. I feel like Chris Paul will hurt someone like Eric Gordon more than he will hurt someone like James Harden. I wonder, and I've mentioned this uh, to you uh-huh. and I put it in our little show outline. Are we sure bringing him back and incorporating him is a good idea? Well, what's the other option? Like, let's just be realistic. There isn't another option. But, like, if you could just press a button, if you're mm-hmm. the Rockets, right? You look at the way things are going. The team is killing it. James Harden is having another fantastic season. His PER is through the roof. His true shooting percentage is through the roof. His usage rate, not surprisingly, he's getting a lot of usage rate. Um, but the way that he moves, like, makes that offense run. Sure. Uh, again, still defensively not great, but but the way he makes that team run right now, streamlined. Sure. If you could press the button and like maybe just undo the whole I mean it makes it like it sounds crazy, right? Cuz he's Chris Paul. Of course you'd want one of the great players on your team in a vacuum. But I wonder how it's going to upset things. Sure, absolutely. Also, he's not really like a new age player. Like he's a very classic point guard, and this is a very futuristic team. Yeah, it's a, it's a clashing of styles, as you just alluded to. Yeah, and last year in the playoffs, we saw it with the Clippers. I mean, we saw it every year with the Clippers, but specifically with the Clippers last year against Utah, when things would start to stagnate a little bit, mm-hmm. it was Chris Paul all the time everywhere. Right. And he he just was taking over and he was really good at it. I mean, he he played well, but it wasn't he didn't play well enough to just like one man will a team to a first round victory. And you know, part of that was owed to Blake Griffin going down, but really like it just wasn't enough for Chris Paul to be Chris Paul. And I wonder if he can take that step, if not back then to the side. Sure. I wonder if he wants to. I, I don't 
I don't know. He's been a great cheerleader on on the side. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe that's just good so, enough now, right? Yeah. But I think also like the other difference is um the Rockets made so many roster moves to get uh, yes. Chris Paul. Like I'll never forget yes. the day that they were doing it, and you're just like First of all, why are all these teams helping Daryl Morey? And number two, like, did you even know these kinds of transactions were possible? Right. Like, it was like the biggest day in, in cap nerdery history. Yeah, it was great. It was and, fun. And yet, like, the same, like, four essential people are still on the Rockets, and they're basically the same as last year, even though it's a pretty overhauled roster. And I feel like that's kind of like the James Harden effect, is that he is so specific in how he plays that he just mm-hmm. needs a certain type of player around him, and then that's it. And Chris Paul, I think, is quite different. Like, you can remember Chris Paul's teammates. Like, he doesn't really rise above like the system he's in you're like he was passing to this guy and he was yelling at this guy like (laughs) you know who else is on his team in a a way like James Harden you don't like it maybe it's it's a little heady for this early in the morning on Monday (laughs) but I don't know I I think it's I think it's relevant to the to are these your question is are the Rockets the second best team and I think it's important to think about those, those clashing of styles. Yeah, and look, to be clear, I mean, of course you want to welcome Chris Paul back in. If you have a chance to get one of the great all-time players and add him onto your team, <laughs> especially when you know they're already a good team. And I, I like their top-tier talent, but at the like the PJ Tucker, Luke and Mute level, that's when it starts to get like a little yeah. thin. So of course you could use a Chris Paul. Sure. Luke Mute, he's been good though. He's fine. Yeah. Look, everybody look, <laughs> I like Luke a lot. Like he's a really nice dude. He's a good defender. Sure. But like when you're like trumpeting Luke and Mute and being like, Yeah, Luke, like great team this year. Right, like good teammate, everybody <laughs> yeah. likes him. Like, okay, like that's when you probably get a little thin. We had this question on our uh shooter round on the ringer yeah. on Friday. Who's the second best team in the league? And it probably comes down to these guys or the guys in the East. Right. The Celtics. Yeah. Which we talk about entirely too much on this podcast yeah. and, and at the ringer. But for me, I picked the Rockets because like look, look what they're doing. It's this, it's a continuation of last year. That offense is killer. The Celtics are twelve and two. They've won eleven in a row. They're trying mm-hmm. to win twelve in a row tonight. They did it without basically Al Horford and Kyrie Irving on Friday. They did it without Kyrie Irving on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Squeezed out a win on Sunday. Squeezed out a win by one over the Raptors. I think I picked the Celtics over the Rockets right now. You would? Yeah, for their defense. They're quite good on defense. Their defense is fantastic. In fact, they have the best defensive rating in the NBA. That game, too, like you said, they squeezed it out on Sunday where, uh, you know, we like the J team. Yes. <laughs> one more chance, one more time to drop the J team drop yeah, in there. Thanks, John. I, I loved it so much. But um, we had Jason Tatum yet again. I mean, I like Jason Tatum, as I've said, more than you'd like frequently, to. Frequently, right. More than I'd like to. Jason Tatum had what amounted to the game winning shot against the Raptors. The Raptors had two chances, though, to win that game. DeRozan missed two shots. But still, it speaks to the depth of the Celtics. Yeah. That they can lose certain guys for certain games and still, with these rookies, go ahead and win. Against good competition. I mean, sure. like, the Raptors aren't a pushover team. They've been a perennial playoff team in the East for the last few seasons. So that's a pretty good win for them. I think 95 points without Kyrie Irving is like pretty impressive. Pretty good. Yeah. Because it's not, you're not like, oh, wow, what an offensive dynamo they've got over there. I mean, if you're relying on, you know, Marcus Smart to give you 14 points every game, that's like pretty good. I mean, like, if you can count on that, that's great. Yeah. I like their supporting cast, I think, better than I like. The Rockets supporting cast, but the difference is how do they deploy those players? Like if you were just going to in a vacuum say like, do I like the J team and Marcus Smart and Al Horford and those guys more than I like say Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and Trevor Ariza? Yes, but 
I really like the way the Rockets play. Now, you mentioned the Boston Celtics defense. Their defensive rating is considerably better than everybody else's defensive rating. They have a 95.4 defensive rating per 100 possessions. The Thunder are second, and then everybody else is, like, way behind. So That speaks, by the way, so much to the Thunder's offense problems. Like, it's insane. Yeah. The the Thunder... I don't. Every week on this podcast, we go, we like basically shoulder shrug at the Thunder, and I don't understand. We'll what's come happening back to them next them. week. So, aside from the second best team, uh, you went with the Celtics, but so you would rather have the Celtics roster and their coach versus the Rockets roster and their coach? Yes, for a couple of reasons. I think even though Harden is an amazing scorer and can get to the line, mm-hmm. I, I just think that Kyrie is like the ultimate. I will score now. No one can stop me. Like, Are you if, coming around on the art form of getting to the line? <laughs> and he like he finishes so often in a way that no one else does. Yeah. Whereas with Harden, like you're like, oh, he, he's going to the line now. But you're with Kyrie, you're like, right, that's going to go in, of course. It's just different. And then I think I would choose Eric Gordon over Marcus Smart. Yeah. But I think I just... But they're, diff- they're like hugely they could, different they players. Could, yeah, they, they couldn't be more different. They each fit their team perfectly, honestly. In, in that Eric Gordon makes three-pointers and Marcus Smart just takes them. Yeah, so that's- <laughs> Sure. Good for Marcus Smart. But I like, yeah, I like the intangibles that Marcus Smart brings. And also he's switchable on defense and, you know, he's an absolute dog at that end of the floor. And I love that about him. And the Rockets, that's not their game. Like think, they're a go-go team. Yeah. I just think, I actually think the Celtics have like a, a better bench and coach Brad is just really good. Yeah. It's a weird thing for me because if we're talking about, again, like which team is the, the second best team in the league, I'm going to go with the Rockets. But if I divorce myself from just like how are they playing in their offense and I could just in a vacuum look at the pieces and the coach, yeah, I would go with the Celtics, you know, reluctantly. But I just like the way – I like the way that the Rockets play. I like that style of offense especially. I think that you're just like addicted to basketball and like you're a junkie and so you're like, yeah, give me the Rockets. I could go either way really. Like I like both teams. They're both sure, really they're good fun. teams. Yeah. They, are, they're both, they are both fun. We'll talk about them both so much more. Should we move on? Yeah. Rudy Gobert's out four to six weeks. This is a tough one. This is tough. So he's basically blaming Dion Waiters. Did you see the play? Yes, I did. There's going to be some conspiracy theories on I don't, this. I actually... Where are you on Waiters in general? I like him, but I also really like Gobert. So it's like kind of... I'm, I feel impartial here. It's like two of my children. I I love Dion Waiters. Yeah. I loved everything. He, I wanted... I told Chris Ryan I wanted to be the Dion Waiters bureau chief and like just go <laughs> down to Miami and plant down there after he wrote that amazing Players' Tribune story over the summer. It was fantastic, and and if you haven't read it, you should absolutely go back and read it. In addition to that, Juliet, do you know where he's from? Uh, Philadelphia. He's from Philadelphia, so I have to like him as a rule. The play was weird, though. He took a very odd route to that ball. Like He he deviated from a line that you would have otherwise expected him to be on and crashed right into Rudy Gobert's knee. And I, I'm, I would not call Deion Waiters a dirty player, but if you're a Utah Jazz fan— you're wondering. Yeah. I'm watching this on a GIF as we speak, just over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Yeah. What do you think? It's a little curious, it's right? A, it's a little curious. He kind of like throws his body, but I think, I don't think he's like, I'm going to take out his knees. It's more like, I'm just going to protect the ball kind of thing. I don't think Dion Waiters would have wanted to injure Rudy Gobert and have him out four to six weeks, but it, it was a weird path that he took. It was a real like football, like I'm going to block you kind of play. I don't, I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but it did happen. And all of a sudden the Utah Jazz... That's really bad for them, as it turns out, Juliet. They need Rudy Gobert because that team, game to game, I'm not sure what to make of them. They're using Ricky Rubio, who I love, who's my favorite player and has been for a long time. They're using him as all of their offense, which you generally do not want to do offensively. Sure. Yeah, Danny wrote about this as well. 
mm-hmm. with one of the best headlines he did. It in was the history of the, history of the Ringer. Scared, shotless, scared, <laughs> comma, shotless. Awesome. Um, I think the Jazz are bad in their conference. They are not good enough, mm-hmm. and that's not a surprise. Like I, believing in Ricky Rubio is a bigger stretch than being like, oh, right, the Jazz aren't that good. I won't have any Ricky Rubio slander on this podcast. It's just not the kind of player he is. He can't, That's true. He can't be responsible for scoring. Like, that, that can't be his primary function. He's not known as a shooter, as yeah. it turns out. <laughs> Defensively, though, this is a huge hit for them because that was where they yes. were winning games. They were the third best defensive rating in the NBA with Rudy Gobert on the floor. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, he alters shots. He does, in fact, alter <laughs> shots. And now you've got Derek Favors who's going to have to eat up a ton of minutes. And Derek Favors was fine in the NBA like three years ago, but he's had some injury issues. He's not a rim protector like Rudy Gobert is. Nobody is really. That's a big loss for them because that's defensively where they were going to win games. I guess now you've got to like really get after it, quote, offensively. You've got Ricky Rubio and Donovan Mitchell has gotten a lot of run for them, and I guess they're still hoping that Rodney Hood is going to be something. Donovan Mitchell is good. I like Donovan Mitchell. Shout out to Louisville. Yeah, he was my pick for... uh, Rookie of the Year? Well, like outside of the main guys. Sure. We we had like, who's going to be your rookie surprise this year? And Donovan Mitchell was my rookie surprise. I I just think that Gobert is their only legitimately good player. Like everyone else is like, yeah, we can make, make this work. Like Rodney Hood, been making it work for several <laughs> years now. Right. Um, Favors is is good, but like not like you know a cog. Here's when you know you you've got issues. Over the summer, after Gordon Hayward left, their number two priority was Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. And if you watch the Jazz broadcast, the announcers love Joe they Ingles. They love Joe Ingles. They're just like everyone in Utah is just amazed by Joe Ingles, and he is like essential. He's probably their most essential player more than Gobert. Joe Ingles is fine. Joe Ingles is fine. But I think when like you're getting supercharged up about getting Joe Ingles to come back, yeah, it's a problem. Then when you're you should probably take a step back and what are we doing here? So I think we need like a new category in the NBA of not like the MVP like the staffs, the LeBrons, maybe the Giannis's, but mm-hmm. like the most essential player. The most essential to their... To what yeah. their team does. Like it's the Draymond Green Award, basically. Because Draymond is not is not Steph or KD, mm-hmm. but as we saw in 2016 and um, in some earlier games this season, Draymond is the most essential to the Warriors' success. Like he makes them un- unbeatable. Yeah, and I think that's a fun idea. Do you, do you have... Because I have a couple that I would run through here. Okay. Not to be predictable and like mention the Portland Trailblazers, but I would throw Dame, <laughs> Mil- Dame Lillard into that mix but also like look at the san antonio spurs like they're still the spurs Mm -hmm. right but Kawhi takes them from being the spurs and they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be you know in the mix and they're fine to being hey yeah this is a team that could potentially challenge in the west sure i feel like the difference between like a Kawhi type player and a draymond is like someone who is a paradigm shifter who won't necessarily be fully appreciated in their time but they'll become like an archetype and I just feel like Kawhi is, is more like, yes, he's top five player. So we have to take, so it has to be like not a top five player then. Is yeah. You, okay. Kind of. That's sort of like, that's like sort of what I'm getting at. Cause like, I think with the Celtics, like is like Al Horford, like their most essential player. I mean, it's still probably Kyrie, but like without, without him, do they struggle more? Like, like, do they lose to the Raptors if they have Irving but not Horford? So this is an interesting thought experiment because then you would look at, like, a team like the Knicks and go, okay, well, like, Chris Stapps is getting a lot of love. He could potentially one be one yeah. day be a top five player. He's certainly the most essential right now. Hands down. You take <laughs> yeah. Chris Stapps off that team and the all Knicks L's. are really, like, yeah, all L's. <laughs> and they have uh, five already. So uh, I just feel like there needs to be a new tier to appreciate greatness that's not, like, 
being like the kill shot. Like, of course, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. Like, right. it's not fair to compare all the other players to him who are like also extremely important. It's sort of like a regular season award. I know that all awards are regular season, <laughs> but it's sort of like night in, night out. Like, who gets you to where you to like the fifth seed on your team? I you like know? this essential idea. We'll have to revisit this. Yeah, as I just the feel like goes. I just feel like we too quickly jump into the MVP race, and then there's like no room to talk about all these other like exciting players. This is one that maybe we'll throw into the mix because right now we had said previously like the Charlotte Hornets are like, a, I don't know, kind of, sort of interesting team and Kemba gets a lot of love on that team. They're about to get Nick Batum back and I think Nick Batum is a hugely underrated player. I loved him in Portland. I loved him on that team. Yeah, like I would like to see what the Hornets look like. We, Jeremy Lamb has gotten a lot of run for them. They brought Malik Monk back in but they're going to get Nick Batum back ostensibly on Wednesday uh-huh. and he does all of those little things as a wing that you'd want. He moves the ball really well. He rebounds. He pushes the floor. Like I love Nick Batum for all those reasons, so maybe he's in that Draymond mix. Sure, maybe. The Hornets are bizarre. Just like a bizarre team. They are team. a bizarre team. But Definitely overachieving right now. But I, have love, I, I love love for Nick Batum. I think there's a lot of Kemba love out there. Like, a lot. A lot of people are like, yeah, I love Kemba Walker. Where are you on Kemba? I like him. He's, he's got he's good fine. swagger. Yeah, he's good. He's fine. He's good. He's like, He's not as good as many in his cohort, but he's he's still good. Let's move on. Real yeah. or not real? Oh, yeah. We got some good ones this week. I'm excited. Yeah. So... LeBron is really high on Dennis Smith Jr. Super high. After playing the Mavs, and he said so. Here's his quote. Uh, the Knicks pass on, on a really good one. <laughs> and the Dallas, and Dallas got the, the diamond in the rough. He should be a Nick. He's going to make some headlines, but he should be a Nick. But uh, Dallas is definitely, I know they're excited that he didn't go there. So I love Dennis Smith Jr. I wrote about him on The Ringer. I think he's a really good player. He's super athletic. I think he's um, got a better understanding of the game than... Maybe a lot of people give him credit for sure. He's right now fighting his own Dennis Smith Jr. demons because he's so <laughs> athletic and he wants to dunk on people all the time. And he has to sort of rein that in. And we're starting to see that now where he's playing with uh, more within like the confines of the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like that's manifested in itself in wins and losses for, or wins for the Dallas Mavericks, but I like him. I think that the shade thrown at Frankie Smokes here, though, is very interesting. Yeah. And then the, then the uh, Nick started rallying around him, mm-hmm. which Venus is Cantor okay, and, so and Chris Stapps. They were, they they were like really pissed. And then LeBron weighed in again today because they're playing. Well, I, I missed the update. What did yeah. he say? Uh, via Rachel Nichols on Twitter, for clarification of people who just live in a box and for Ennis Cantor who always got something to say, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with him. I love it. I'm glad that this has devolved into LeBron versus Cantor. That's a weird thing. Normally, like, gripes and fights go up, not down. You're LeBron. Like, yeah. how is Enos Cantor Be- even on up, your radar? Don't beef down. Right. Yeah. How is Enos Cantor on your radar? Most of the time, I swear to you, Juliet. When I'm watching the Knicks and Enos Cantor enters the game, uh-huh. I always go, oh, yeah, Enos Cantor's on the Knicks. Like, Enos Cantor is in the league and he has a job. And He's I a great him. rebounder. I know he's Enos can't he play him nothing Cantor, else. but he's a great rebounder. <laughs> That's all he does. And also, I think, a really good hype man. He's a very good hype man, yeah. which is applicable in this situation. So real or not real, they should have taken Dennis Smith Jr. instead of Frankie Smokes. What I do think, you think? I think real. Yes. Look, like I like Frankie Smokes. Uh, I hope he's good for Jason Concepcion's mental well-being. Yeah, he's a good defender. We've seen that. He threw that beautiful lob to Kristaps Porzingis the other day. In one short week, he went from flashes of defense to actually defending. So that's it's a very quick improvement. Good for him. Right. I like him at the end of that end of the floor. He looks, if not lost on offense, reluctant. Yeah. Shy. Yeah. 
And maybe he'll get there. I don't know. The Knicks are not really noted for developing players, but who knows? But they could use some offense. Yeah. Like, nobody else is shot. Like, go and why not take some shots that uh, KP isn't taking? Like, you know, you assert believe, yourself at that end. You don't believe that Tim Hardaway Jr. will give them what they need? I do not. Oh, wow. I do not. So, yeah, uh, I'm on Dennis Smith Jr. over Frankie Smokes. Another one. Mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball recorded his first triple-double this weekend against the Bucks in a loss. And afterwards, he said he didn't really care about it. Does it feel significant to you in any way to, to, to be the youngest guy to get there, to be younger than LeBron by five days when he did it? I mean, no, it don't matter to me, to be honest. I just wanted to win tonight. Um, you know, I thought we put ourselves in a good position to get it, but it um, didn't happen. Just wants the win. Shocker. As athlete cliches go, that's my least favorite. What would you prefer them to say? I mean, of course that's what he's going to say, right? My problem with this quote, first of all, I'm I'm not real on this. I think that he was excited about getting the triple-double and just sort of like decided to take the very stoic, monotone, sure. athlete company line on this one. But is there a bigger gap? This is my problem with Lonzo Ball in general. Is there a bigger gap between the amount of attention he gets – and the personality that he actually is. He's kind of a boring human being. Super boring, but he's also like a basketball test tube baby. He's like been bred to do this, so he knows all the predictable lines. Yeah. And and all of the ones that he shouldn't save and beat out of him. And I just want to say, rather, if, if you are rooting for the Ball family, you'd rather him be giving bad quotes than uh, shoplifting in China. I, I was going to say too soon. It's not. They got to figure out how to get those kids yeah, out of China. It's actually not funny. Like it was like, it was like sensational, but I'm actually worried for the three UCLA players. Then. I have seen enough movies about Chinese prisons to know that you don't want to be in one. There was spy game when Brad Pitt has to liberate his paramour from uh, Su Chow prison. Yeah. I believe Su Chow shouts yeah. to Su Chow. And also what was the other one? Broke, Broke down-, down palace. I believe it was in Southeast Asia though. Okay. Not China, but that's right. a great movie with uh, Claire Danes. No, you don't want to go to a foreign country prison general or prison in general no (laughs) avoid prison if possible well the last one Mm -hmm. this is a real this is wild rick carlisle is basically not playing nerland so well he Mm -hmm. had six minutes against the wizards he had a dnp cd versus the Cavs, and two minutes versus oklahoma city this is a guy who declined an extension and decided to play for a new contract this year so he's in a contract year and the sharks went to the mavs Mm -hmm. game on saturday night and he got this quote in his piece posted yesterday sunday from rick carlisle look minutes have to be earned at this point if it's between him and salah measury salah has earned the minutes there's no doghouse here there just isn't it's pretty simple you compete and if you earn minutes you get minutes and if you've got to compete to keep them because it's a competitive situation Huh, it's competitive. So, you don't say. So real or not real that it's actually about minutes earned and that Rick Carlisle doesn't actually hate Nerlens Noel. For me, Rick Carlisle hates Nerlens Noel. He's clearly pissed off about what happened. Look, Nerlens, I, I saw them when they were in town. Uh, I talked to Nerlens about it. I know him from when he was at, at the Sixers. He tried to be a good company dude about it, but there's obviously some friction there. Nerlens made a mistake. I like Nerlens. I think he's got a really good game. He had a four-year, $70 million offer on the table, and he bet it on himself. He bet poorly. He really did bet poorly. I think the thing I believe the least, though, is that there's no doghouse. Of course there's a doghouse. Yes, he's, and he's he, in it. He's, he's redecorating. <laughs> he's there so long already. He has decorated it and then climbed underneath. The, he's dug underneath the doghouse, and now he's renovating the sub-basement to the doghouse. Juliet, six minutes versus the Wizards, two minutes in this past game against OKC. He caught a DNPCD against the Cavs. It could not be more glaring if Rick Carlisle put it up in light. 
I don't like you, Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel is a, the Dallas Mavericks have two wins. Two. They've played fourteen games. That's that's tough. You're telling me that Nerlens Noel can't help you on the floor? Of course he can. There's obviously something going on here. I'm dying to know what it is. It's also like two things. One, I guess the Mavs are tanking, and that's fine. I feel like Dirk can't be happy with what is presumably his last season. It's yeah. it's like hard to watch Dirk now. It's not fun. Not riding off into the sunset. No. Unless it's on a jazzy scooter because he does not move well. I know. And he he just like shouldn't even try to play defense. Like he should just stand aside. He should he, just play four people. He never really kind of played defense, but he moves like the mummy. He doesn't really have lateral movement anymore. They did, which by the way, for Halloween, uh-huh. the Mavs did an in-house production of Dirk Nowitzki as a mummy. Uh-huh. And I thought it was really amazing. And I don't know if that was just supposed to be a Halloween promotion or like spoke to the greater movement of Dirk Nowitzki these days because he sort of like lumbers around the court. Not good. Not good for the Mavericks. They're not fun. They're not pretty. And I, it's a bad way for Dirk to go out. Put Nerlens on the floor. Yeah, or trade him or something. Something. Um, let's move on to our the heat check, heat check. He's heating up. He's on fire. <laughs> I love it. NBA Jam. So in this segment, it's uh, it's our specific what's happening around the NBA that uh, sort of heat check-ish. You want to go first? Sure, I would love to. I'd like to talk about Mr. Jordan Clarkson, mm-hmm. who for like one year, people were really into. Just for one year? In Los Angeles. When they, when they were like, it was like two years ago, and people were like, yeah, this guy's going to be good. Okay, here's Jordan Clarkson talking about his motivation and you know, what, what keeps him trying to stay winning and all that. Mm-hmm. The females, you know what I mean? I love women. They don't like you when you're down. So I just want you to know, Jordan Clarkson used to date Kendall Jenner, and she's now dating Blake Griffin, or at least they like, go out for dinner a lot together. I don't know if they're officially dating. So that's a big L for Jordan Clarkson. So if that's what's keeping him motivated, I'm, I'm concerned for him. Is it an L because, like you said, Kendall, like he had previously dated Kendall Jenner. Now yeah, Kendall Jenner's dating to a bigger star here in LA. Yeah, I mean, like he's farther down the NBA pecking order than than Blake Griffin, right? Yeah, I, I think the Lakers should trade him. Jordan I, Clarkson. I think you get something back for him. I'm actually kind of surprised that Jordan Clarkson didn't fall into the Lou Williams role from last year. Mm. He kind of is in that role, but he's on a limited bad. minutes basis. Like Lou Williams was getting more run last year and and being more productive in that uh, limited time at, on that second unit as the instant offense score. Jordan Clarkson provides that same kind of thing, but he's not he's playing like roughly, you know, 21, 22 minutes a night. I like Jordan Clarkson fine. Not sure about his motivation, but you know, you got to do you. <laughs> Who knows? Um I think he just needs to maybe check himself a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. That goes with maturity. Also, he's in LA and not surprising. Maybe it was an off the cuff uh, remark. He gave that quote to Tanya Tanguli from uh, the LA Times. So maybe like they know each other. Maybe it was just like sort of an off the cuff thing. Jordan, never let your guard down. That's another heat check then. <laughs> Don't let him see you sweat. Uh, mine, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Might be a little too soon to get back to uh, Chinese prisons, the box. <laughs> The Bucks decided that they were going to throw major shade at the Lakers and the Ball family. The Bucks mascot held up a sign, Juliet, and on the sign it said, "Leangelo Ball is leading the Ball family in steals." Woof! Boom! Roasted. Ouch! Ouch! That's a little bit much. I'm not, I actually I was ready to joke about it, and now I've realized after talking about Broke Down Palace that I'm not ready to joke about it. I don't. I, I don't know about you. I would not do well in prison. Yeah. Per TMZ, Donald Trump. Thank goodness is getting involved trying to get them well, out, out fix of the it. country. Certainly that'll that'll take care of it. Yeah. Um prison is really scary. It's no joke. And I can only imagine in China. Foreign or domestic. Yes, no, thank you. Really bad. Seriously, good luck to those kids. I hope they get back to America. Yes. Also, kids, don't shoplift. Don't shoplift. Correct. I think the Bucks in general, I'm putting the whole team kind of in like the heat check box. Yeah. 
They're good, but I think we overestimated them a little bit. I actually, I think Bledsoe will be really good for them. Love Bledsoe with them. They're fun. Excited That's about fun. it. That's fun, yeah. yeah. But I feel like that'll take just like a minute to sort of really They'll, they'll work hold. it out, yeah. yeah. They'll be fine. I mean, for all, and also for all the Bucks fans who are like, yeah, I wouldn't trade Malcolm Brogdon for Eric Bledsoe. You didn't have to. But maybe come you on. wish you did. I mean, no, I mean, like, it's fine. Like, they have extra talent now, sure. and that's good. But, like, let's not say that Malcolm Brogdon is even in the same category no. of player as Eric Bledsoe. Certainly not. What seed would you give the Bucks right now in the playoffs if, if we're jumping ahead? Like, where do you see them? Four? Five? No, I think they're probably going to be in that uh, bottom four in the East category. I mean, okay. I think for me, it's in the top four in the East is still going to be the Celtics, the Cavs. The Wizards and probably the Raptors. So you're going to go. I'm Raptors chalk four. on this. Okay. I'm chalk on the, on the top okay. four in the East. Just to take, I, Pretty I, static. I agree with you. I just think the Bucks are too young and inconsistent to be a top four. I, okay. And I like the Bucks, and I think they're going to be in that mid tier mix, and maybe they have an upset uh, in the first round, or maybe they, you know, the, maybe they make it through the semis and surprise some people. But it all depends. You're going to get Jabari Parker back. How does Jabari Parker look with Giannis and with Bledsoe and with Chris Middleton? But they've got enough talent now to make some waves in the East. So yeah, I like the Bucks. Cool. Me too. Why not? This week on the schedule tonight, mm-hmm. Monday. The Cavs are in in New York for the Knicks. Frankie smokes revenge against LeBron James. I hope so. I'm excited to watch Porzingis against LeBron. I just feel like LeBron will want to like stake his territory. I'm like, no, it's still my league. Like back down, dude. But I'm excited to watch them go up against each other. Enos Cantor, all the revenge rebounds he can handle. It's exciting. (laughs) Also on Wednesday, we've got the Spurs and the T-Wolves. That's a good game for for this week. Two teams in the Western Conference that are uh, in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. The Wolves are fun. Yeah, I like the Wolves. It looks good for one half against the Warriors. Although their defense is still a hot mess, and, yeah. and every time you turn around, either Tibbs or Jimmy Butler or both is complaining about it. Yeah. So that's still a little curious, but yes, they're playing better. Warriors at Celtics. That's what you want to see. Yeah. We previously had said we know who the best team is, of course. Are the Celtics the second best team? Let's see them against the best team. I also think that Coach Brad is the best game planner against the Warriors. That's on Thursday night. It's a national TV game. Yeah, hands down. He prepares the best for them. And I'm excited for the Warriors to go against the best defense. Something to see. Work for it, guys. We like basketball. There's some good games coming up. (laughs) We really do. This has been a fun one, Gonzo. Always. We'll be back next Monday. I can't wait. Anything is possible.